Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. I'm Drew. Yo, 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 everyone. So, for this week's episode, we're going to do something a little different. We want to call attention to the fact that this month is AAPI month, which stands for Asian American Pacific Islander uh, month. And... It's a month where we celebrate and bring attention to Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders and all of their contributions to our society at large. And uh, for this podcast in particular, what we're going to do is we're going to cover a comic that highlights that particular topic. And the comic of our choice this week is going to be American Born Chinese. You mind giving us some of the credits on that, Drew? Don't mind at all. So American Born Chinese is written and penciled by Gene Yang and colored by Lark Peen. Published by First Second. It was originally published in 2006. So this is basically the 15th anniversary of the graphic novel. And before we uh, dive into the comic, we got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Wow. <laughs> WOW stands for We Are Half the World. And if you guys haven't heard of WOW, WOW's mission is to showcase artists, filmmakers, musicians, and storytellers of Asian descent for loud, diverse, and nuanced representation. Give WOW a follow at W-A-H-W. That's uh, how you spell it. Instagram. Instagram them. Look them up. And uh, you can also find them on Online at wahw.org. It's just pronounced WOW. Stands for We Are Half the World. So you'll remember it. And this is an organization that our good buddy Justin started. For our longtime listeners, Justin was on our show way back in episode seven. Dig deep into the archives. He was on our show when we talked about the Black Panther movie. And uh, yeah, look where he's come now. He is now our partner in taking over half the world. That's funny, man. When you said he was on the episode where we discussed the Black Panther movie and you transitioned to look where he is now, there was a part of my brain that half expected you to say, he's Black Panther now. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's that's a heck of a leap in logic. I'm gonna have that to. Is, uh... I'm gonna have to listen to the tape of this, <laughs> review it, and dissect it, and try and try and understand what I was saying, because I, I, I that did not cross my mind whatsoever. I was sitting there, and I think I just heard you set it up, and uh, I was guided by where your where where you were taking me, and I thought that the next natural conclusion was. Look where he is now. He is now Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was saying that I guess I was trying to convey the idea that he once was but a humble guest on our humble podcast. And now he he's is Black Panther. He's the mastermind <laughs> of a major online presence that showcases creative talent and and really just prominent uh, Asian people in favor of, you know, all in service of showing the diversity that uh, we all should be celebrating in our world. That's so good, too. I'll take he, that. Yeah, just, Justin, <laughs> he's a man with, with lofty ambitions and, and a clear a clear uh, plan to achieve his goals, man. 
Yeah, that's you for know, sure. And mean, uh, meanwhile, we're we're just talking about comic books. Well, if it makes you feel any better, as far as I'm concerned, those are my goals. So we're meeting oh, yeah. those. Yeah, we're we're definitely accomplishing our goal of talking about comics. There we go. There we go. See the, I'm, I may not have the ambition of a Justin, but within my tiny little fishbowl, I have traversed every single inch of it, whereas he is swimming in an ocean, and he's just, you know, barely covered all of it. <laughs> that was poetic, Drew. That was very poetic. <laughs> You are you are the bard of our ages. Uh, well, I left you speechless, possibly because I said something that really had no response. It didn't need a response. It just me basking in it was the response. Thank me you, man. Swimming in the in the just the the. Just your beautiful tapestry of words. <laughs> that you know, it was it was like honey it and syrup just rolling off my ears. <laughs> <laughs> See now now that's poetry. Yeah. That's poetry. <laughs> anyway, everybody look up wow on Instagram. You'll find a lot of cool information. Uh, really educational stuff too and every so often uh, I'll contribute a couple things about comics but uh, yeah with that said uh, let's talk about American Born Chinese by Gene Yang so Albert here's a question this this comic came out in 2006 you know it's obviously uh, well known and beloved by Many people, it's well respected and has won numerous awards. Yep. But I want to know what was your first encounter with the comic? Um. So my recollection of it is pretty spotty. I I just remember reading it. I I want to say that my earliest recollection of it either was. It was either through you or through Justin, actually. So, uh, you know, I guess it's it's yeah, it makes sense that uh, that we're talking about it here and now uh, because yeah, when I think about think back to it when it I I don't even know if I read it when it first came out, but at the time that you guys had recommended it to me. I think I was still pretty much in the phase of my life where the comics that I was reading were all just superhero fare. So I don't I I I hadn't gotten to that point where I was expanding my appreciation of comics beyond super people punching other super people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so at the time that this came out um like I don't know what the what the reception was uh in the uh, uh to the general community but definitely amongst us uh and especially you know cuz Justin was more involved in 
Asian American uh, in the Asian American community, or or not necessarily involved, but he was more knowledgeable of this stuff uh, than I was. And he's always uh, been kind of an activist, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say so. Or at at the very least, he he had his ear to the ground, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, it was the sort of thing that. I guess it made a splash in in those circles and having read it or just my first impression of it looking at it was oh uh it's got this cute cartoony style and uh it's it's about Asian American it's about the Asian American experience so um for me personally that was all I needed that was enough for me to to take that recommendation to heart and to to go all in on it once once I got my hands on it uh, and and having read it I I have to say that I didn't regret it at all it, and I more than I, like I'm more than not regretted it I I loved it it was it's a great mm-hmm. book and it's it's super entertaining and um. I, and I do feel like there's a lot of it that's relevant to just how my personal experience has been. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe not exactly. Uh, you know, I I'm I'm an Asian American in a in a fairly large city with a large Asian American population, so I'm not gonna like make it sound like. You know, I I had a typical, um, you know, minority experience that people would expect, but mm-hmm. I, I had some. I definitely saw things in that comic that I recognized in my own life. Maybe not to the same degree, but enough so that I that I recognized it, that I empathized with it. Yeah, you know, totally. What about you? First time that I uh, encountered it, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I can't remember if I came across it on my own or if Justin told me about it. But I, I do know that I got it pretty early when it was, uh, when, when it came out, because, mm-hmm. because, uh, right around the time it, it launched, uh, the Isotope here in San Francisco had a signing for this book and Lark Pian and Jean Yang were, were both there. Uh, and I, that might've even been where I bought my copy. Um, cause my, I got my copy signed by both of them. Uh, it was 2006, the, the very year that it came out. So it must've been pretty early when they were promoting the book. Yeah. And I, I pretty much had the same thoughts as you did, man. Like up to that point, well, I mean, I, I'd been reading a lot of non-superhero comics at that point, so there's a chance that that's how I discovered this on my own, because First Second was pretty new at the time. Like, this might have been one of their first big hits, mm-hmm. and now they're, they're like, kings of the graphic novel publishing Yeah, world. yeah. Yeah. Definitely of the YA set. Yeah. But this was one of their earlier books, so it was a new publisher, and I was always looking to try new comics and and just stuff that I'd never heard of. And you know, if it's 
an Asian dude making the comic, I was probably even more inclined to check it out just because there weren't really too many Asian American people that I knew of at mm. the time making comics. Mm. For and sure. Definitely the the subject matter of this comic about the Asian American experience. I, I can't think of another comic that touched on these themes before this one, you know? Like nowadays I think we can find quite a few comics that that uh you know approach the topic from a different angle. But before American born Chinese, what was there, man? What was there? Um uh before american born chinese we had fortune cookies <laughs> <laughs> no yeah yeah no? <laughs> that uh, that is that was where i saw my American words. experience <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know my entire life was summarized in a fortune cookie fortune that i found once yeah it it's everything that I felt encapsulated in one sentence. Yeah. Inside a cookie. <laughs> yep. No, that that's that's not right. It's not. It's not. <laughs> not not in the slightest. Um, but in terms of an actual comic, I yeah, I can't say that anything really jumps to mind at this particular moment. Uh yeah, it, it's it's interesting because it's kind of like, I guess I lived my whole life up to that point, not necessarily, like I was obviously aware of the fact that I was Asian, but yeah, I, I, I never really thought about it up until that point that, oh, I, I haven't read anything like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the, there have been novels and... and... Uh, even some young adult books that dealt with That's being true. Asian in in America, uh, but at least the stuff that I read when I was young, a lot of that stuff didn't necessarily resonate with me, and I don't necessarily think it was because my experiences were so different from what was portrayed in those kind of books, but I think it was just there was something missing and and maybe right now at this moment as we are recording i don't have the wherewithal to exactly describe why something like i don't know the joy luck club just didn't do it for me yeah but i definitely did not like that book yeah <laughs> well okay now that you mention it i did think of some books that I did pick up later on that covered a similar topic. Um, well, okay. One of the ones that I remember reading in school was, uh, oh man, I, I don't know. The name escapes me. I want to say it was like paper dragons or something like that. Dragon wings. I think it was called dragon wings. Oh, that sounds familiar. Was that a Lawrence Yep or somebody like that? I don't, I, I got to look it up. I don't remember who the author was, but yeah, it, that's the one, dude. Yeah, I looked it up. Dragon Wings was, by Lawrence. Yep, that was the one about the the kid who was an immigrant who came to. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was San Francisco, and I think yeah, San Francisco. I remember that one. 
I just remember, I, I want to say that the story revolved around, like, him getting to know his estranged father, and, and like, kite flying was part of the story, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really the extent of my memory of it. Same here, man, same here. Yeah. I read that when I was in... I don't know, elementary, elementary or middle school. school. Yeah. Yeah, so my, my memory of that is super fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, another one that I... This one I read in college, but it was called uh, China Boy by Gus Lee, I think. That oh, one, okay. I'm not familiar with that. That one I'm a little more... Is a little fresher in my memory because uh, I do... I do think that that was a pretty good book, actually. It was one of, it was one of those... Uh, one city, one book, uh, books, you know, um, for people who aren't familiar, uh, it's one, the one city, one book, I guess, project is, it's a program, uh, I don't know if it's anywhere else, but here in San Francisco, what it is, is, uh, the, uh, the city, like, uh, social, leaders or community leaders in in the city uh put i think once a year uh pick a book that they feel embodies the uh the spirit of the city and the intention is that they want everybody to read this book uh that they're promoting because it you know it it cements the bonds of the community uh you know yeah, and uh, it was it, China Boy was a similar story, but it was about I forget if it's I don't think it was based on a true story or it might have been like some kind of fictionalized version of uh of the author's uh, upbringing, but mm-hmm. it was essentially about him again moving to San Francisco as a young boy and uh living with a father that he didn't know too well and 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 the main thing that i remember was he was bullied a lot as a as a young as a child but one of the things about the stories story is he learns to box and through boxing he learns to like one to stand up for himself and two to reclaim his i guess his heritage you know mm-hmm. yeah but that was a good book from what i remember it's been a long time since i read it but okay yeah i'll have to check that one out i'm I'm not familiar with it at all yeah yeah i was actually while we, uh, we were talking about those other books I, I did remember what i didn't like about the joy luck club and i think it was mainly how the Joy Luck Club emasculated the Asian man. <laughs> yeah, it's... Truth be told, it's... Maybe there's a perspective on on that the Joy Luck Club appeals to, uh, a, a, per, a certain perspective, but it's not something that I feel speaks for everyone in the community <laughs> and doesn't just, yeah. ne- you know, it doesn't necessarily like put my experience in a good light. It didn't, it wasn't something that necessarily made me feel 
any pride in who Absolutely I was not. Absolutely from where not. I came from, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that that's that's yeah. exactly right, man. I, if anything, it it kind of, I mean, it didn't make me ashamed of who I was, but it made me mad that she would write about us like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's that's. I think that's a that's probably the most accurate way to put it. It's yeah. It's it's like I get it. She might have had whatever experiences that she had, and. Um, you know, they shaped and formed her opinion of, uh, or they shaped and formed her outlook on, on the community. And, you know, I'm not going to take that away from her, but, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's certainly not something that resonated with me. Yeah. If, if anything, it, what's the opposite of resonating? Uh, uh, I, I I don't uh well uh what's what's the what's that one word entropy <laughs> I don't know oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man like there was a word that was like right on the tip of my brain uh discord yeah yeah right? like that would be the opposite of uh, resonance right that's a that's a good one I I couldn't yeah. think of one but discord fits the bill for sure yeah yeah like i don't i don't know how to use it in the context of like how it made me feel <laughs> like but yeah um yeah it, it was discordant because it it didn't it didn't uh <laughs> discordant ring to true to i just us, you know yeah 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 okay yeah discordant there we go mm-hmm. perfect i set him up you knock him down back to back baby back to back <laughs> <laughs> but we are not here today to bash amy tan's joy luck club we are here to extol gene yang's american-born chinese yep there we go and unlike you know, I'm going to go back to Amy Tan one last time, but unlike Amy Tan's Joy Luck Club, it was a book that didn't necessarily say, like, cherry pick which part of um, the culture was acceptable and which part wasn't, you know? Yeah. It, it, it took it all and it uplifted all of it, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 certainly a far bigger fan of Gene Yang than I've ever been of uh, Amy Tan. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's that's the auntie that my family disowned. <laughs> uh, you think that's funny, Albert? Uh, yeah, I do. That that was genuine laughter on my part. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh. You want to give a brief synopsis of American Born Chinese? Uh yeah, it's it's a little I'll I'll try to keep it brief because there's a lot of moving parts, but it's three seemingly unrelated stories or it starts out as three seemingly unrelated stories. Uh you have the story of the Monkey King, uh who is this who is a, a monkey who lives up, up on this mountain. And it's the story of him 
seeing himself as the equal of these gods, but it's really the story of how he is humbled over time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the brief version without giving away too much. Uh, then the one of the other stories is about a young Chinese boy and his experiences growing up as um, in a predominantly white community. And you just learn his his backstory and his history as he gets picked on at school, as he just tries to fit in into this new community. And the third story is of this. I, I'm, I'm going to try my best to describe this, but there's a young man by the name of Danny who, who looks very much like your... He looks like a stereotypical uh, white teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I might even go so far as to say that in the era that this book was written, there's you, you might be able to look at him and imagine a cartoony version of Justin Timberlake or something. Or <laughs> like one of the InSync kids. Nice. Yeah. So he's, he's just a very like typical looking white kid on the surface. And then what we learn is his cousin is visiting and the cousin that visits is this just caricature of a Chinaman, basically. And uh, we follow them on their adventures as uh, as he as the cousin comes to visit and Danny has to put up with this cousin and how he interacts with the life that he's established for himself. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want to give away too much, but these three different story plots eventually culminate, and we we see them. Uh, we see the the we see a cohesion in the plot that explains everything you know that that explains the overall theme of the the story yeah 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 is there any are, are there any elements of the plot that you've you you want to draw attention to that i might no that I, I, I think that's that I a, a good summary of the general plot of the book uh i mean it it it's one of those stories i think as you read it for the first time, it feels very simple. Like yeah. these these stories are are pretty straightforward, right? Like the yeah. the story of the Monkey King. It's it's basically a cartoon modern retelling of the legend of the Monkey King. Yeah, Journey and, to the West. Yeah, I think it's called. Yeah. yeah, which is one of the most famous books in in history. Oriental um, history. <laughs> you said the o word <laughs> and then you got the second story about the chinese american boy growing up uh yeah. jin wang in a pre predominantly white suburb that that one feels a lot like a slice of life type of story yeah and then 
the the third story, the one about Danny and his cousin Chin Key. <laughs> that, that <laughs> I mean, that that's that's a sitcom basically. It it's yeah. It's meant it, to be there's even over the top track. and satirical. Yeah, and there's a laugh yeah. track. Yeah. And when you look at each one of those on its own, they all tell a pretty interesting story in and of themselves. So yeah. I remember the first time I read it, I was just enjoying it for enjoying the stories for what they were. And then when I saw the end and yeah. how Jin Yang brought everything together, it was like, oh, wow, that's really clever storytelling. You know, like that. Yeah. That's something that. Like, it was already a really good comic up to that point, but yeah. that ending was something special. You know, it transformed these three stories that could each be looked at as separate parables and turned yeah. it into this, you know, it, it turns the whole thing on its head and yeah. it makes you kind of reevaluate what you just read and gives you a reason to to go back through it again and and experience it with the knowledge of the ending beforehand. Yeah. Can I can I mention something though? Yeah. Um, yeah. About that. Well, two things. Uh, so the one thing that I want to piggyback on on your thought is, um, I remember my first time reading it. I I found this the experience a little uh, jarring initially because. I think as I was reading it, I was trying to see, like, I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be an anthology or, like, I was, yeah, the whole time I was just sitting there trying to figure out what the what the whole picture was going to look like when it was done. Mm -hmm. And you're right, once you finally get to the end and it connects all these three stories together, or you find what the connection is between all these three stories, it's like... Oh, okay. That you know that makes a lot more sense now that I'm here. Mm-hmm. So the the thing about the way that the comic tells the stories is it's not like an anthology in the sense that you get one story and there's like a hard break and then and a hard end and then you get another story. The chapters are all intertwined with one another. Yeah. So you get bits of uh, you jump from perspective to to perspective in each of the chapters so so i did find it a little jarring but once you get to the end and you uh see what the the twist is or like when you find out how they like turn the whole thing on its head it's totally rewarding because yeah it makes it it makes sense of the entire experience now it's like okay there's a reason that uh, all the various chapters were all segmented like that, and you know how how the story was meant to be told. It it wasn't just this mishmash of um, occurrences, you know. Yeah. Did you yeah. find it jarring because up to that point, like you were saying earlier, you had just been consuming a steady diet of superhero comics? I, I'd have to say so. Like uh, up to that point, I was more accustomed to the linear straightforward storytelling of more just basic superhero comics you you wanted to see iron man punch the mandarin right <laughs> <laughs> uh well i like the mandarin so i wanted to see the mandarin punch iron man <laughs> 
Mandarin's one of my favorite villains, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the other thing that I wanted to go over a little bit was... I, and I might not be necessarily be the right person to talk about this, but... Uh, I, I did want to go over just the journey to the West a little bit, just yeah. in case people listening to this aren't like familiar with what that is. Um, yeah. So, uh, just a little bit of backstory. That's, I guess it's Chinese mythology is, is the best way to put it. And it's the story of the monkey King who, uh, who meets up with a, with a Buddhist monk, and yeah exactly they i mean it it does exactly what the the story says they journey they go on this long epic journey to the west and at the beginning of the monkey's story he's this really mischievous uh he's this mischievous all-powerful being that goes around causing trouble but over the time, over the course of his journey with this monk, uh, he learns to humble himself and he, um, like matures, I guess is the only way to put it. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and this is a story that I, I I don't, I'm not going to speak for like all Asian people (laughs) or anything. So, but uh, I, I'm, I think it's pretty popular um, in in China, if if not most of the East, uh, to the point where like they still make movies and stuff about it today. But it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's kind of their version of like Aesop's Fables or um, like King Arthur or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely a very big thing. Yeah, and I I do think that we see a lot of uh, semi adaptations of it, even even here, uh, get yeah. somewhat popular. I mean, Dragon Ball was kind yeah. of inspired by the Legend of the Monkey King. Exactly, and you you just kind of see it in different areas of pop culture. If you consume, if you consume like anime or manga or play Japanese RPGs or video games and things of that nature. Yeah. I do remember there were a couple of video games based on where they like took the, the basic premise of journey to the West and, you know, they did their takes on it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a fairly well-known and popular, um, story you know yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit about the american born chinese version of that story because i think for me seeing it in in this comic might have been the first time that i was exposed to the monkey king story in something that wasn't just watching dragon ball you know because dragon ball it doesn't really follow the it doesn't really do it justice (laughs) yeah that's its own thing it it basically takes 
the 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 visual it's, look yeah. of the Monkey King and, and yeah. plays around with that. But but uh, the very first chapter of American Born Chinese, reading it, rereading it for this episode, it it still resonated with me quite a bit because it you see the Monkey King, uh, you know he's he's winning all this praise from his fellow normal monkeys that just look up to him and think think the world of him and he's training his himself to master all of these disciplines that will allow him to transcend what he is and whatnot yeah. and then he hears about this party uh in the heavens with all these other deities and kings so he decides to 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 go there and he gets turned away at the door because he's not wearing shoes which is yeah kind of a funny a funny excuse but really, it's not just that he wasn't wearing shoes, but eventually the dude straight up tells him, you can't come in here because you're a monkey. Yeah. And, uh, you know, monkeys don't belong here because... They're monkeys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is the heavens where all the deities, like, hang out, and you're a chimp. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then the monkey king... You know he gets he gets mad and in his anger he he uses his uh, mastery of the different disciplines and martial arts to to beat up all the other gods. Yeah. But he realizes you know that doesn't make him one of them necessarily. Yeah. So he he ends up leaving and he goes back into his his uh his home and he just sits in the dark and broods over the fact that for the first time in his life they don't accept him. Yeah. He he. Never noticed that he smelled like a monkey, you know. Yeah. That's basically what it is, and he's and it's him in the dark, brooding, thinking about how he could get rid of that smell. And yeah, that that's kind of a poignant way to do a little metaphor for yeah the immigrant experience, right? It's it's exactly. like exactly exactly when you're not when you're not uh, the the dominant uh, ethnicity in in the nation in the community then that's those are those are the kind of things that that you can go through you know you can yeah can feel and even though you know maybe not i'm not saying that every every single uh ethnic person experiences that or feels that but i thought it was a pretty real feeling man like it it was something that I definitely um, experienced at different points in time. Exactly. Same, like, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, the thing, yeah, the thing about it is with, okay, so with, when when reading the, the when reading American Born Chinese, it did feel like uh for 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 uh what was the kid's name again drew uh the chinese kid jin yeah for jin like it felt like his story was more he he was definitely a fish out of water in the sense that he was the only asian kid surrounded by non-asian people right Mm mm-hmm 
and uh as i mentioned before like i I grew up in a in san francisco where there's a pretty decent number of asian kids so i wouldn't say that i i ever felt it wasn't something that i felt all the time but occasionally something would happen and you'd be reminded that (laughs) yeah something's not you know they don't they don't necessarily view you the same way or you 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 get that you get reminded in that moment that oh i'm not necessarily the predominant uh cultural perspective in in this particular instance right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah is is so, that a, is that just a diplomatic way of saying that uh people were racist to you Yes, that is the <laughs> okay. long way of saying that. <laughs> Got it. Just, just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> yes, yeah. What, what's the most racist thing somebody said to you or done to you? Oh, man. I, like, I, I think the obvious one is, you know, getting called stuff, you know? either on the streets or wherever right someone you know somebody says something to you and it's just like man i was just taking a walk (laughs) yeah stuff like that it's just like i was just minding my own business where where's this coming from (laughs) yeah seriously man (laughs) yeah but it's uh but yeah in the story after the monkey king has this uh has this moment of revelation he he goes about and he decides that he's gonna take it upon himself to change change his circumstances so change himself yeah he's gonna change himself he's gonna practice all these mystical uh arts and he's gonna basically try to transcend to this level where He's even above the gods, right? He's going to mm-hmm. learn all these skills, all these martial arts. And uh, and once he's learned all, like, he learns the ability to, to shapeshift. He learns the ability to ride on a cloud. He learns the ability to be invulnerable. And in addition to that, he, he goes and he beats up these other creatures and demons. And he acquires these special weapons. So by the time he's done with all his training, he's... You know he's hot stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting scene because he comes back, and uh, oh, and in addition to that, with his shape shifting ability, he decides he's going to to no longer look like a monkey. Well, he'll have the face of a monkey, but he's gonna be like tall. You know, he's gonna stand up like a man, like a human. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that that's the perfect way to put it. Mm-hmm. So he makes himself tall, uh, like a person, and then he goes back to the other monkeys. And these monkeys, like you said, they all just worship him and they love him for who he is. Mm-hmm. But he goes to the monkeys and he goes about trying to change the the other monkeys. You know, he makes them all wear shoes. He makes them all wear shoes, which. It's kind of messed. <laughs> yeah. It, it's one of those things that speaks to the idea of what a lot of us do to fit, to in. fit in. Yeah. yeah. And 
and it's sometimes definitely it's allegorical. Like, yeah, it's it's interesting to see how that plays out with with monkeys because with 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 people, you know, we we fit in or we try to fit in, and sometimes it's we try to do things like wear certain clothes or or dress a certain way. Yeah. In order to to look like you know the typical image of the all-American uh, person, you know, yeah. which is usually traditionally a white person. Yeah. So whatever is in vogue there is a lot is oftentimes how we try to appear. Also. Yeah. It's just trying to pass for you know quote unquote normal, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um. Yeah, like in in Jin's story. Uh, what we see is in those early years as a kid, when he comes to school, he starts having to deal with all he, – he, he has to deal with the fact that all these other kids don't have the same background he has. And, you know, kids are jerks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so They really so they, are, man. They make fun of the way that he dresses. They make fun of the food that he eats. They make fun of the, the – they make fun of him because he smells different than the way they smell, you know? Yeah, and and even, like, the ignorance was pretty funny, too, because I remember that scene where he his teacher introduces him to the class. Yeah. And she she can't even say his name. Yeah. Uh, and, and she's she the adult in the room. And yeah, she's exactly. she's not being helpful she, she, at all. <laughs> exactly. She's like, he moved to our neighborhood. He came, he and his family came all the way from China. And he's like, we're from San Francisco. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then some other kid says, "My mama says Chinese people eat dogs." And then the teacher's like, "Now be nice. I'm sure Jin doesn't do that. I bet his family stopped doing that as soon as they moved to America." Yeah. Like I, it because it's a comic. There's something. It's it's funny, or you know, funny-ish, I guess. But there is something cringy about that. Where if if it turns out that that was based on real stuff that had happened to Gene Yang, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, actually, uh, speaking about that, I will say that uh, here, here's here's a long anecdote for me, or potentially uh, a long anecdote here. But back, back in uh, 2007, I took a class at city college um just i think i was just kind of trying to figure out what to do after i had uh finished uh university and i i had a part-time job and i took some classes at city college just to fill my time and one of the classes i took was this journalism class and one of the and the thing that this journalism class was all about was publishing the the I forget if it was bi-monthly or quarterly uh, magazine for for the college. Uh-huh. So we we could we were able to choose the topics that we could write about. And me being a big comic book fan, I decided to try and figure out an angle so I could write about comics for the the school magazine. Well. For whatever reason, I can't remember why. Maybe it was just because American-born Chinese really did resonate with me. I, f- I figured I'm going to try to write something about American-born Chinese. And I was able to get in touch with uh, 
the publicist at First Second, Gina Gagliano, who is now, she's like a pretty big name in comics, but back then she was like answering emails from college students as part of her job. And she actually put me in touch with, with Gene Yang so I could um, interview him for this article about his comic. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, the the, awesome, the hook dude. of the of the article was because uh, was that American Born Chinese was nominated for the National Book Award, and that was kind of a uh, an unprecedented thing where comics don't really get nominated for for things like that. So that was I guess that was significant enough where the teacher of the class was like, okay, yeah, that sounds like a unique idea. Go ahead and write about it. So I was able to get in touch with Gene Yang. I remember um, I was able to email him a list of questions because funnily enough, uh, you know, Gene Yang is kind of a, he's a big deal now in comics. He's a, he's a star. Yeah. He's getting a lot of uh, attention. Guy but, got a genius grant. Yeah, he did. He got the MacArthur grant. But back then this was, this wasn't his first comic that he ever published he had done some indie stuff but it was all on a smaller scale you know like this was his breakthrough work this was the thing that really made him start to become a household name and it made him a guy that people in comics would recognize but at the time like he wasn't really i remember he was he wasn't really too interested in in interviews and and things like that he felt kind of it was like he was uncomfortable with the attention almost, you know? Yeah. So he, he actually told me that he would, instead of like meeting in person because he lived in the Bay Area or even talking on the phone or something, he, he, he said, just email me some questions and, and I'll, I'll answer them. So I, I did that and um, I guess that made him, that helped him uh, realize that, you know, I was a real person and, and then, uh, he he was doing another appearance one day at a uh, another store in the in in Berkeley I think or maybe it was Oakland oh, I think it was Berkeley he and I and we were still in touch via email at the time and uh, he said it would be okay if I just met him there after the the signing and you know we could talk a little bit more and I could ask some follow up questions and stuff so I was able to to do that and and he he recognized me from the time when he signed my book at the isotope because because i guess it was because i told him my name was drew spelled d-r-u and for some <laughs> reason that i guess that made made me stand out so yeah we, we had a good chat and I, I was looking at uh i was looking for the article that i wrote back then um just to see you know some of the things that he had said and one of the things that he mentioned was how when he was writing American Born Chinese, a lot of the stuff that happened to Jin was a lot of, he said most of the, like the racial slurs and, and those kind of things that Jin and his Asian crew uh, experienced are direct quotations from his own junior high experience. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And, Oof. and here, I, I, I found uh, the quote I was looking for. I'll read it to you right now. He said, Many of the racial slurs thrown at Jin and his little Asian crew are direct quotations from my junior high experience. Racism seemed especially overt and virulent in junior high. It only came from a very small group of kids, but it tainted my interactions with all whites. 
I'd wonder if whites were thinking the same things they said out loud, but were just too polite to express it. Mm. Yeah. So that. Yeah. That those those uh lines that we see in Jin's story are probably based on on real life, and it's interesting also to hear that bit of insight from from Jin Yang, because I, I think it's a pretty understandable uh line of thinking, right? Like I think for a lot of us uh, who experience things like that, that's those are the kind of things that you would wonder. It, it's something that can taint your interactions with people of other ethnicities when yeah. you get bullied uh, specifically for your ethnicity. Yeah, for sure. And for like sure. you said, man, kids are kids are mean. Kids are messed up. Yeah, but in addition to that. Um, you know, it's still worth mentioning that, again, like you said, it wasn't all just the kids. Uh, in yeah, it wasn't all just the kids because even the adults were kind of jerks in those scenarios in those stories. Yeah, at the which, very least, they were ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I yeah. think sometimes, I mean, there's there's definitely a difference between malicious racism where you're you're actively trying to insult or demean or mock somebody versus the kind of racism that arises from sheer ignorance like when you just don't even know that what you're saying could be perceived as racist because you just don't know enough about the other person's experience or culture that's i get that you know and yeah, like I, I guess I can forgive that a little more. I don't necessarily excuse it, but because you know, this is a kid in a room full of other kids, and maybe the hopeful or optimistic part of me is wants to believe that the 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 one adult in the room would set the proper tone or say the right thing to kind of alleviate the tension in the room. Mm -hmm. But, uh, well, I can confidently say that as an adult in 2021, I've learned that adults can be just as terrible. Yeah, (laughs) that is true. That is very true. Like this entire thing of believing that they, that as an adult, you somehow have more reason or show more self-control uh that is an illusion that has been uh it's uh, been demystified exactly exactly <laughs> so wasn't there an episode on myth mythbusters about it <laughs> uh i i would want to see that episode <laughs> there's a big misconception going around where a lot of people for some reason think that adults are mature and and you know <laughs> not jerks yeah <laughs> we're here to prove you prove to you that that is completely false <laughs> myth busted <laughs> man we're just laughing at the at the depravity in the souls of men and women <laughs> in, yeah. in the souls Adults. of people <laughs> yeah uh. 
one of the other things I was going to mention about the book is how the three different stories kind of point to different uh, aspects of the Asian American experience. Because I, I feel like with the Monkey King, right, we see in what he does, we, we see this desire to gain acceptance through hard work which I think is an experience that a lot of Asian Americans. It's what our parents tell us. Yeah, exactly. It's what our parents tell us. Yeah. Especially, especially those of us whose parents are immigrants. Yeah. That's, that's work hard. Acclimate to your environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, just do whatever it takes to succeed. Yeah, exactly. And then you have Jin's story. What's that? I said that definitely rung true. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. And then with with Jin's story being more of this slice of life kind of tale, it that's a more personal story, I think. Something that really highlights Jin Yang's own experiences. And I think he does he's able to tell the story well enough where by 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 showing this particularly specific personal experience kind of makes it universal you know it's like like a really good song where the lyrics are about something really personal but because they're so personal and vivid it makes it universal where even if you didn't experience that yourself just by reading the story or hearing the song you just you feel it you know Mm. yeah for sure and then you got the the third storyline, the the sitcom with Chin Key. <laughs> yeah. That that's pretty much just it's like every single negative stereotype you can imagine, uh, and that's the kind of thing that we as Asian Americans have had to either put up with or ignore or overcome in some way. Yeah. So but, I find it interesting that those three different angles, you know, all tackle a different perspective on the Asian American yeah. experience. What were you going to say, Albert? Well, I, I, I'll even say that looking at that third story where you followed Danny and Chinky, like a lot of the, a lot of the stereotypes that Chinky uh, personifies, I feel like those are things that. I recognize even now as an adult and looking at those, those were the kind of things that, well, I don't know what your experience was, but as a kid, it was the kind of things where it was like, I I guess those were the aspects of, I guess myself that I would try to deny, which is Mm -hmm. what he was essentially Mm -hmm. doing in that story. You know, it was just, yeah. um, Yeah. Like it's weird uh thinking back to it but uh yeah there, there there's this one scene where chinky uh pees in the guy's coke right yeah <laughs> you know and i remember hearing that song and it's surreal thinking about it now as an adult being in a classroom with maybe like 50 percent asian kids and having like to us it was like a a joke and what, what song it, was this? Uh, 
you you don't remember this? Was the, this the, the tie my shoe? No, the so as a kid, the the thing that we would sing to each other, and like it was funny because it had pee pee in in it, right? Uh-huh. But but the song goes, me Chinese, me play joke, me put pee pee in your coke. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like it's funny, but it's weird. It's surreal when you think about it, because you know, uh, again, like I, I I went to school, and most of the kids that I hung out with were asian but we were singing this to each other and when you take a step backwards and you look at that it's like there's something a little weird about that yeah (laughs) yeah totally yeah um but yeah there there's like all these behavioral things that uh chinky was doing like uh there's the way that he talks or Mm -hmm. there's the fact that he was work he was such a good student you know he he was working so hard to answer all the questions but again there's that there's that thing where i guess as an immigrant it's it's contradictory right cuz your parents tell you that you have to succeed but and you have to work real hard and you try your best to like engage in classes but then you kind of take crap from everybody else for mm-hmm. being a nerd or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there was a lot in that third story that, um, that, uh, that, that gave me a lot to think about, you know, certainly just in, in terms of what he was trying to get away from, like wh- all the stuff that, Danny that w- was embarrassed for Chinky about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's that makes sense, man. Cuz I, I think for me, my my experience was a bit different from yours even though I also grew up in San Francisco cuz the the schools that I happened to go to were pr- predominantly Asian and the I probably even have to say that the I I experienced more racism as an adult than I did as a as a kid. Yeah, I I'd have to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And like when when I was a kid, I I mean I remember certain things right like um this isn't uh Chin Ki's story but with uh what you call it with Jin's story when he meets his his uh first uh asian friend you know the other boy whose whose name i'm forgetting at the moment uh shoot i yeah i forget his name but you know you know the guy i'm talking about right the other yeah i'm looking him up and and when they when they first start talking the other guy starts talking to him in in mandarin or chinese and Jin straight up looks at him he's like you're in america speaking english yeah you know and like like those are the kind of things that that uh i experienced myself just in terms of like there's there's a good chance that i said that to somebody you know there's there's a good chance that i when i was a kid i i probably said that to my parents you know being a a disrespectful kid you know and and just wanting to to not be different from all the other kids 
uh, who, you know, even though they might have been Asian also, but a lot of uh, their parents were born here, you know, whereas my parents were not. And, and you know, they, they had accents and, and it, you know, it was, it was just kind of different. Yeah. So it it's it's the kind of thing where reading these stories definitely makes me look back and and like examine the things that I experienced too. Yeah. The things that the things that it was like to I don't know just grow up and and be be who I am. You know who yeah. I was. Yeah. The character's name was Wei Chen. Wei Chen oh, yeah. Sons, right? Yeah. Thanks. No worries. Yeah. Were there any other uh, particular moments or uh, just incidents in the story that uh, evoked anything in you? Um, thinking about it. Well, yeah. Yeah, there was actually. I mean, this is. I don't think this was necessarily something that I. I had a direct similar experience with, but it was something interesting to observe in the comic, which was. So in the comic, uh, Danny ends up getting a crush on this. Uh, on this girl, uh, mm-hmm. what's her name? I, I, let me go to the character list. Amelia Harris. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's an Asian kid in a predominantly white school. And, you know, this girl seems to enjoy his company. And uh, she, I don't know how else to put it, but she, I guess she reciprocates it. To, to whatever degree right yeah and for a time there's there's this sense that oh um Jin and her could end up forming some sort of relationship right mm-hmm. but then at one point this one uh one of the other characters in the story um let me pull up uh greg yeah this one kid greg he when when they first introduce him in Jin's story, he seems like he's on Jin's side, or at the very least, he he tells all the bullies to, you know, not 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 to be so hard on Jin. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of this perfect-looking all-American white kid that uh, that you kind of that you look at favorably because he's like being nice to Jin, right? Mm-hmm. But at one point in the story when him and when Jin and Amber are hanging out more, uh this Greg guy goes up to him and he basically says, Hey, um could you like <laughs> not hang out with her? Yeah. And you know, Jin's just like, wait, do what's what what's this for like at first he thinks it's because he likes her and and greg clarifies by saying oh no i i don't like have feelings for her or anything it's just that you you're a certain way is uh is is more or less what he said and 
you know, I wouldn't want you being the way you are to affect her reputation is, is in short what he's saying. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and on the surface, it looks like, or to him, he feels like he's doing a favor to his friend, uh, Amber, but you know, to the rest of us, to those of us reading it, it's like, that's a pretty dick move, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who are you to tell this guy that him just being himself is inadequate to, to like, go out with this girl? This girl that, for all intents and purposes, you don't have any real connection to other than what you say you have, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, that was a pretty disheartening scene because it it takes Jin down to down a pretty bad path uh yeah he 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 internalizes his self-hate after that like there's there's a brief moment where he wants to direct his anger towards Greg which he rightfully should you know he should be angry at Greg because again Greg Greg just like put this guy down to his face, right? Mm-hmm. But instead of doing that as a means of just trying to fit in, he he sort of sides with Greg. Like he he turns his his hate inwards towards his himself. Yeah, that's and, harsh. Yeah, it's super harsh. And in, again, instead of like owning taking ownership of who he is and uh you know the various part uh elements of his characteristics that he should be proud of or Mm -hmm. that he should be content with he sides with greg and he decides not to talk to amber anymore that's kind of you know there's this one moment where he tries to huh amelia wasn't that her name oh yeah sorry amelia sorry but there's this one moment where he tries to walk up to Amelia and he, he, you know, for a split second, we think he's going to assert himself. And then what we see is Greg is talking to her and he just, dude, just totally chickens out. He just walks away, you know? Yeah. And in that moment, he, he, he hates himself. He despises the, like the things that he feels that everybody else sees about himself that they hate he hates in that moment right and Mm -hmm. he ends up going out and he he happens to encounter um uh wei chun uh wei chun his friend uh he wei chun's girlfriend suzy nakamura Mm -hmm. you know and they have a moment where they're just like sitting there and she shares a story with him about some racist uh, or or some experience that she just had where, you know, her mom took her to some party and she realized that the girl that she was spending time with at this party didn't even want her there. She was just there because, you know, her mom had dragged her there, right? Mm-hmm. And so she's she's talking about how that that sense of foolishness is kind of how she feels every day, you know, uh, that, that sense of not belonging, not really being wanted. Yeah. You know, she's having this really vulnerable moment with Jin in this moment. And Jin 
you know, just having experienced his own uh, little racial moment, instead of empathizing with her or commiserating with her, he, like, just tries to straighten Mac on her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and later on, when uh, when his best friend, when Wei Chen confronts him, he, yeah, what he does is he just, he basically just reverts back to being the the kid he was in the earlier part of the story, and he just says, she doesn't deserve you, uh, but she's not even my type, but I just didn't think she deserves you because you're a fob or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. Wei Chun punches him, and he deserves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. But that... that that series of events was uh that was some that was some gut wrenching stuff right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they're they're all kids, but the the core fundamental emotions behind all that happens, that's that's not so much to do with them being kids so much as it is to do with them being Asians, Asian yeah. Americans. Yeah. And it, I think that's what, that's what makes it uh, resonate. It's something where you just feel like, even though, uh, well, I guess it's because, and I hope I don't sound, uh, you know, offensive or anything here, but it's like when when we when I was a kid, like my friends and I, who are also Asian. We would probably say we would have we would have said, uh, you know, mean things about fobs or or we would use fob like an insult, you know, and yeah, and talk about people who, you know, other kids that are who are our age that that weren't necessarily born here or at least acted like they weren't born here and and like I guess trying to deconstruct those kinds of behaviors as an adult now looking back it's it's almost like we were ashamed of who we were too you know it's like we we, we wanted so hard to be uh american yeah that, that you want to be have, on the outs what yeah is it? you want to be on the inside looking out right yeah yeah exactly yeah. exactly exactly and like those are the kind of things that nobody ever really taught me Articulates. any better you know yeah when I was a kid, that was just how we were. We 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 just we just called the other Asian kids that we didn't like. We we would just call them fobs or something. Yeah. Did no, you do that true. too, Albert? Uh, I'm trying to think. I. Uh, I want to <laughs> say that. You no, were I'm a better man than I was. You're a better boy than I was. Well, no, I mean, I was going to say, because, you know, I I went to, uh, you know, I, I went to a pretty big public school where, like I mentioned earlier, most of the kids were, um, if not minorities, immigrants. So, uh, and, and like I spent most of my time as a kid in apartment complexes, uh, living out of apartment complexes. So I was around a lot of, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know what the term is, but 
Fobby kids. I was around a lot of Fobby kids. <laughs> like you know? spent so much time trying to think of what the term was. <laughs> well, I was trying to come up with something else that didn't use the actual word Fobby, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's what they were, and so like that was pretty, I guess, normal to me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that isn't to say that there were kids that I was that I I did make fun of. There were. Uh, you know so but yeah didn't you always make fun of that one kid in a wheelchair uh no i made fun of that one kid with a lazy eye oh okay (laughs) (laughs) no but i was gonna say like i i do think that what you what you said earlier uh it's a really good point right like i don't I mean, clearly, when when we're kids, we're idiots, so we don't necessarily make that connection, and we're not necessarily able to articulate what it is, why it is that we do what we do. Yeah. But you're right. Uh, well, yeah, I I'd say so. Like, I I do think that there's a part of you that just wants to try so hard to be to not be the one that's being made fun of that, you know, you just, whether you're conscious of it or not, you end up siding with whatever is popular because Mm -hmm. it allows you to not be the butt of the joke for, for a brief moment in time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah. Or maybe it lets you be whatever popular or whatever. Yeah, it makes you feel like, like you said, you're, you're instead of being on the outside looking in, you're on the inside looking out. Yeah. And I, I guess as a kid, you kind of just want to be the one who fits in. You don't want to be yeah. the one that stands out for being different. Yeah, I mean, that's all, what all of like high school and middle school is, is that uh, attempt to be normal, right? <laughs> like. <laughs> like we and and unfortunately you know our underdeveloped minds assume that being normal means that we make fun of or ridicule the things that aren't quote unquote normal yeah but but yeah you you hit that point right on the head when you were saying that um yeah to on some level it's almost like the things that you were making fun of were things that you were just that you just hated about yourself, which is, I get that, man. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, uh, super poignant. Yeah. It's, it's all wrapped up in one of the core themes of the comic, which is identity, because these characters are all trying to figure out who they are exactly. And a lot of times that's a very, a very common uh quest that a lot of us asian americans also undertake you know trying to trying to figure out exactly who we are in terms of ethnicity and and culture because we're, we're american and and live in america and pretty much adopted american tendencies but they're still i don't know just cultural things or or things that we learned from our parents or um 
could be ingrained habits that for whatever reason may may not be emblematic of the so-called American experience. Like I, I think of something like uh, Thanksgiving, right? Like what's what's it's one of the most quintessential American holidays. And when you watch American TV shows or sitcoms or whatever dramas, whatever the genre may be, whenever there's a story about Thanksgiving, there's always it's always about a big gathering with with family and eating eating turkey and stuff, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you got to have the turkey. Yeah. But my family never really does that. Never yeah. never really did that. Still doesn't do it. And I remember I was uh I mentioned that to one of my friends one time cuz he asked me what what my Thanksgiving plans were and and I, I said, "Well, uh we're probably just going to order some Chinese food, man, because the Chinese restaurants don't close on Thanksgiving and that's easy and like my mom likes to eat Chinese food, so that's yeah. what, that's just kind of what we do. And and like to him, not being Asian, uh, he 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 took it as oh you guys don't celebrate Thanksgiving, and he didn't yeah. he didn't say that in like an accusatory way, but it was more just like he just the way he interpreted my statement was to to think that we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, and and up until that point, I had never really considered that, you know? Like, I never I never thought that I never celebrated Thanksgiving. I just thought how we celebrated it was not with a turkey, but with, like, yeah. Chinese yeah. food. Yeah. Well, I hope someone punched that little kid. <laughs> <laughs> Square in the face. Right in the bullseye. <laughs> yeah it, it's it's not it wasn't anything that made me mad i mean he's he was he's my friend but it was it was oh. just something that that uh <laughs> that was Never just mind, then. an example <laughs> of something that i was thinking about <laughs> i thought he made you feel less for for not cele- lesser for not celebrating thanksgiving and my more... immediate instinct was to punch a child <laughs> in the face. <laughs> Thanks, man. Th- thank you for defending my honor. I appreciate that. Either that or I just really love punching children in the face. So I was just looking for any excuse. Uh, it's five o'clock. It's the punching time. <laughs> What's what's the most uh, racist thing that you've experienced recently, man? Recently? Oh shoot. Oh man, like I don't know. That's that's kind of a really maybe a too real conversation to have. <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. Like I'm not even joking. Like with everything that's been going on in the news, like even the stuff where I I don't know. It's hard not. Like it doesn't. None of this happens to me directly, but it's hard not to look at the news and see everything that's going on to that's you know happening to Asian people in the past year, you know, <laughs> and all the stuff that led up to it, uh, all the stuff that's been building up. It's hard not to look at that and, uh, you know, not not to. It's hard not to internalize it 
or it's hard not to see yourself in that situation. Like I, yeah, I, I, I'd probably go as far as to say that the, the stuff that I've seen in the recent year, again, even though it hasn't happened to me directly, it's probably been some of the most glaring acts of racism uh, towards Asian people uh, mm. that I've that I've seen. And um, yeah, like like prior to that, you know, I'll I'll take you know, someone calling me a chink and then hearing nothing about it for five years. Like, I'll take that over, like, this past year any day. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. There's uh, a part of me that wonders, man, like, were all these attacks always happening to Asian people before and they were just never really reported? Or is, is this, like a new trend where, or a new wave of specifically uh, attacking Asian people. Like, is it, yeah, I don't, I don't really know the statistics too well. Yeah. You know, it, for all I know, it, is it, or uh, am I, I guess I'm wondering, is it, is it just being reported more now, now that people are more aware of it and, and using social media to, to raise awareness? Oh. I mean, Clearly, it, it it it's made a difference in in helping us know about all these horrible crimes and things that are happening. Yeah. That we wouldn't have known before. But yeah, yeah I'm just wondering, like, why were we so ignorant to like other things in previous years? Yeah, I mean, we we had this conversation once, uh, not not even that long ago, actually. And uh, yeah, but you and, know me, I have a really bad memory. <laughs> Well, I was I was going to say that my response to you at the time was that I I'm pretty sure it's a combination of a lot of things. Um like it it's not like crimes against Asian people didn't happen before 2020, you know. Like I was mm-hmm. well aware of the of, of things that had happened prior to that, but I I do think that, you know, the zeitgeist is just this really weird and uh, it's this really weird thing that's, I think it's more easily affected than I realize. And I do think that it's this weird snowball effect of maybe they are reporting it more, but as a result, of the people that are going to be racist or that have hidden racism and it allows them to feel more safe in acting out on those racist behaviors you know they've been emboldened yeah and as a result we see even more uh acts of racism than normal and again, that it just causes this feedback loop of people seeing racist things, doing racist things, and then more people seeing racist things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. That that makes sense. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense, but I under, I comprehend what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, you had me worried there for a second, Drew. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, in a way, I kind of wish, like, books like American Born Chinese were more prevalent when we were younger. Because I, I feel like stories like this, they... When they're done well, man, they they really do succeed in building a type of empathy yeah. in the reader. And they help you process and understand other people, other cultures, people who are different from you. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the beauty of storytelling, right? Like it like I mean, sure, there's there's stories where you can just read them for entertainment. And I'm not even saying that I want all my stories to be some kind of moral or fable or anything like that. But I think stories that are done well, oftentimes uh, a good way to tell a good story is to write about something that's so specific and and real that other people who read it, whether or not they have the same background as the writer, they're able to still experience the type of things that he's communicating, you know? Yeah. And that that's the kind of thing that, that helps us understand people better. And yeah, yeah, it, it just feels like people should just read more in general, you know what I'm saying? It's like... Yeah. People, I forget where I read this, and I'm pretty sure I'm not just making it up, but I think I read, but I read somewhere, some study that people who read a lot of fiction were more likely to be empathetic to other people. I, you know what, I want to believe that. <laughs> I, I, I'll go as far as to say I want to believe any study that tells me that there's something that makes people more empathetic to other people, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that makes them less, uh, less brutal and savage bastards than they already <laughs> are. <laughs> Cause, <laughs> uh, yeah, I gotta tell you, man, the world does not give me a lot to believe in most days. Dude, I, I got one friend. I'll, He'll be anonymous for the purpose of this anecdote, but he he doesn't read anything uh, fictional. He doesn't read any fiction. He doesn't he doesn't watch TV for pleasure really. And well, I'm not gonna give you any identifying things about him just in case you ever meet him. I wouldn't want to pre-taint your interaction with him potentially, uh -huh. but. Uh -huh. But man, he, he just to understand that he's a, he's a friend of mine who who doesn't consume fiction. Like, I think the last time he read a book was when he was in like high school or maybe middle school, and he doesn't watch TV. So, and and, and like with all the things that have been going on in in society recently, um, and all the different uh, social things that have been coming up in the news over the past year and a half or so like 
I, f- I found that man i was i was shocked by his lack of empathy towards like a lot People. of things yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and and, and and it's not a lack of empathy in the sense that he he doesn't feel sorrow when when somebody gets killed or or anything like that but it, it's more like if if i'm talking with my, another friend and you know, like a group of us are talking about uh, racism or or things uh, of that nature, things that are unjust. He'll like he, I'm pretty. The, he he has said to us, I think you guys are the ones who are racist for bringing race into it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't know if he used those exact words, but that's pretty much the feeling that I got from That's basically what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things, man, where I'm like, I, I can't really uh, change his mind or, or you know, do anything to convince him. You can't win. <laughs> I can't win. You know, yeah. I, I just throw my hands up and I'm just like, he's going to say what he's going to say and he's going to believe what he believes and yeah you know so be it man like i i I, i've tried explaining uh my point of view i've tried explaining you know how how i you know just the logical explanation of why i think something is racist and yeah it's it's a it's a losing battle every time because even if even if I win the argument. I still lost by having to engage in it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, like, I, I, yeah, I don't know if this is, you know, if this is a conversation that's necessarily off the rails at this point or anything. But oh, we're we're totally off the rails. It's okay. I, I don't care, man. It's our podcast. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I was gonna say, like, with things like that, sometimes it just feels like. Uh, it's not a math problem in that you can have some sort of logical answer to it. It's, it is really something that just comes. Of emotion, It, it not, okay, not emotional, but I do feel like a lot of people's opinions on on race do tend to come from just in the worst possible scenarios a lot of the times it's what they want to believe as opposed to what you know whatever convincing arguments that you can come up with and it's just like yeah like there's really nothing you can do it's it's not yeah i like when you say that it's just a conversation that you can't have. I I get that, man. It's it's just Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't I can't nor am I willing to try to change anyone's mind on it because it's just going to be something that's going to give me a stroke. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just yeah. that much of a It's just yeah, it's painful, man. It's painful. It is, man. Anyway, if we were to get back on the rails, do you still have any 
other thoughts or things that you want to say about American-born Chinese? Um, no, no, I, I'm pretty satisfied with what we've uh, discussed. And, you know, I, I cannot, if it hasn't been made abundantly clear, like I have like uh, a glaring amount of affection for this book. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, it's, I give it a high recommendation. Like, uh, what do you guys want? Like, how do you guys want us to score this? Uh, send us, smash that like button and, uh, message us on Instagram <laughs> if you, to tell us what our scoring system should be. I give it 99 stars. <laughs> I don't know. We, 10 we fortune cookies with- out of 10 fortune cookies. <laughs> I give it a hiya karate chop. <laughs> uh. Yeah, you know, I, until reading American Born Chinese and, and a couple of other comics by uh, Asian American creators, I never really realized how much representation did or does matter to me until I experienced stuff that spoke directly to to me, you know? Like, it's it's weird because I was so accustomed as a kid just to reading typical superhero comics that, you know, they, they might have touched on social issues, but they never touched on anything that was really Asian-American related. Yeah. Not that I can think of, at least. Yeah. Nothing quite so specific. Yeah. Yeah. And with something like American Born Chinese, that... That's pretty specific, even though even though my experience isn't exactly the same as Gene Yang's experience. He's he's a little bit older than us, but there was there was definitely a lot that still resonated. And and, you know, it's still relevant even today, you know, 15 years on from this comic being published. I, I still think that people should read it. It's something that. I don't know. I don't know if if uh, like middle schools have reading lists or anything, or if this is on those lists. But it feels like this should be something that kids and students should read. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. if that that Dragon Wings book you were talking about earlier, if if kids if we read that when when we were in school, man, kids should read this today. That's that's yeah. what it feels like to me. I wholeheartedly agree, man. Like, you know, for for all the different uh, books that they recommend, like, I I do think that, yeah, this this is probably something that adds another layer, of a different point of view that mm-hmm. they could be valuable, you know, to totally. to, to young people growing up. Um, yeah, I, I, I had some other thought that I was going to say, but I, I forgot it. (laughs) Um, you want me to try and buy you some time while you think? No, no, no. I, I, I think what I was going to say, I think I was just gonna agree with the sentiment that I didn't have yeah, I didn't have a ex, uh, an upbringing or experience that exactly mirrored what Jin Yang went through. Um, how old is he, by the way? Like, uh, 
I don't know off the top of my head, but he he's probably at least like five or six years older than us, if not more. Okay, it says here he's yeah. 47. Wow, he looks good for 47. Yeah. So like, I, I would not have thought he was 47. But, yeah, like, I, I can honestly say that the 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 racial the racist stuff that he was dealing with was not i don't remember dealing with anything quite that bad as a kid uh and like you mentioned earlier if anything i probably dealt with more racist stuff as an adult in the real world mm-hmm. than i did as mm-hmm. a kid yeah um but uh but yeah i mean it it's still stuff that i recognized you know as just on an instinctual level almost yeah very instinctual yeah so yeah it's 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 good book it's great book and uh i think i think there's a lot to learn from it for sure Mm -hmm. yeah i would absolutely recommend this to Anybody out there listening, you don't have to be Asian American to appreciate and enjoy this book. It's it's just a it's just good storytelling. I mean, it we we barely talked about his artwork in this, but he just has a really crisp and clear sense of storytelling. Yeah. And and if anything, like just you can appreciate it for the craft, the craftsmanship. Yeah. But when you when you read the story, whether or not you're an Asian American, whatever your ethnicity may be, there there's a a lot of good stuff in here, and and I feel like we've talked at length, but still barely scratched the surface, because there's we could like so there's so many like little incidents or little things that happen in in the story that we keep we keep saying resonate in this episode for some reason but like they do resonate because we can read something in here and it'll immediately make us think of something that we experienced you know and Mm. that's not really something i would say for too many comics yeah 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 like i said even if you're not asian american there there's still a lot of good stuff that you can you can gain from reading this and and just you know read something different I it you know what hearing you say that does make me wonder though, like coming you know coming from an Asian American background mm-hmm. it does I do wonder how I'm curious how it reads to someone who doesn't have that background yeah you know? I'm I'm really curious too because um I remember like a few years ago Pixar put out that one movie uh it was a short film that they put out before one of their actual movies I think it was before inside out and it was called bow you remember that one i i remember hearing about it but i never actually watched it so i I don't know anything about it okay so i i don't want to like give away too much but um it was it was a a short film that they made that was about uh, a mother who was experiencing essentially what is empty nest syndrome, but mm-hmm. but instead of uh, with a child 
the the thing that's in place of the child is this little this little anthropomorphic bow a little bun you know mm-hmm. and she goes through all these pains um raising this little bun only to see it grow up and leave the home and and that's essentially what the story is about mm-hmm. but i remember reading this article about it when the movie when uh they were watching it in uh when they were showing it in theaters and mm-hmm. they were talking about how non-asian um uh, audience members were watching it and they and you know and maybe this doesn't speak for you know everyone but it the the impression that i got from the article was that a lot of the people that were watching it who didn't have an Asian background didn't understand or didn't necessarily uh, connect with what the story was trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's supposed to be this like evocative and moving uh, short story, but it just ended up being this thing that they just, and, and it, I'm sure it wasn't malicious, but it was this thing but their response to it was more to to more to be more comical about it you know like they they took it to be more of a comedy than it was uh, uh they took it more as a comedy than it was as, as opposed to what it was meant to be which was a a drama you know uh-huh did so, you did you watch it albert I did. I did like maybe a couple of years after fa- after the fact, but I did watch it and I remember thinking, well to me watching it I was like, well this is pretty straightforward. I don't understand what they what for like the people that don't get it or that don't understand it, I I had a hard time not not under not seeing what they weren't seeing. You had a hard time empathizing with them. I guess so, <laughs> you know? Like yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was purely empathy or or if it was a empathy thing, but I just, I don't know, maybe it just felt like it was so straightforward to me that I I just, I really couldn't figure out what, what it is that they weren't understanding about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think... One of the one of the things that they were proposing in the article was that because Western, um, like I guess Western family structures are very individualistic, and yeah. you know they tend to there's a lot of focus in in uh, Western family structures to like have people leave uh, leave home and establish new lives and yeah like cut these connections with their families uh so that when they watched the story of this woman who was you know heartbroken at the at the idea of her son leaving Mm -hmm. uh you know exiting her life uh, supposedly the the theory was that that did not resonate with them at all Mm -hmm. so which but i even even so, I I still found that hard to believe because I was like, I'm I'm pretty sure, 
like when parents, you know, any parents have to say goodbye to their kids, I'm I'm pretty sure they're. I I, I think it'd be perfectly normal for them to be moved by that situation. But uh, I'd have to look into it more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think I remember hearing about the. Uh, I don't know if it's a controversy or, but I I, I remember seeing Phenomena. some articles. Yeah, I I remember I remember uh, seeing headlines about it, but because I I didn't watch it myself, I I don't think I really paid too close attention. But now that you've described the the whole scenario to me, I'm I'm more curious than ever to see yeah. something that came out a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, I do think that it there's some connection to what we discussed tonight, so it's relevant. Uh, yeah. Totally. You know. Totally. For those who read and enjoyed American Born Chinese, do you have any other comic book recommendations for them? Or I guess just recommendations in general if they don't necessarily have to be comics. Um, I would recommend that book that I mentioned earlier, China Boy by Gus Lee. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think that that was a pretty good book about the Asian American experience growing up in uh growing up in in the west you know uh yeah yeah uh other than that uh what i what i was gonna recommend was a comic by uh brian fi oh no by alex robinson uh called too cool to be forgotten and uh it's a, we 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 talked about Alex Robinson when we did box office poison but i i do feel like there was even though it's not about asian americans uh i do feel that the the story in too cool to be forgotten was something that had a similar vibe to american born chinese like without going overboard with it or anything uh i guess i guess the 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 short way for me to describe their similarities is that they're both cartoony stories that are just about coming of age so um mm -hmm. that's that's probably how uh how i'd put it yeah yeah I, I, I got to reread that one, and I got to check out that Gus Lee book you were talking about. Yeah, it's it's a good book, man. Like, it's that's something that celebrates, you know, being Asian American. And, you know, it's really about, um, like, I yeah, I, I forget whether it's actually autobiographical or a fictionalized version of his own biography, but... It it was a pretty uh yeah it was a story where you know he he was 
put up in this new world and he was forced to deal with bullies. But again, like it was through boxing that he learned to find his, I guess his appreciation for who he was and for his heritage. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he learned to fight for it. You know, it's, it's a winning story is how I would put it. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds pretty fascinating. What about you, Drew? You got recommendations? Yeah, yeah, I got a few comics. I mean, the obvious ones, you got to check out the other Gene Yang comics. He's he's gotten a lot of work in the past several years. His, you know, his profile has been rising higher and higher with uh just more work from the big two. I mean, he's written quite a few Superman comics for DC and and a bunch of other stuff for DC. He started writing for Marvel. Uh, I think it was late last year or early this year with the Shang-Chi miniseries. You know, he he's written uh, Avatar, uh, the last Airbender comics for Dark Horse. But the, the ones that I would probably recommend the most from Jin Yang would be Dragon Hoops, which was his graphic novel from 2020. It came out right before the pandemic started, but Dragon Hoops is this memoir slash uh, nonfiction uh, story about how Gene Yang, he was a, a teacher at Bishop O'Dowd in the East Bay area. And it, that, that school, he was a high school teacher there and that school is kind of known for being a, a basketball school. They have a, a strong basketball program, and he follows the 2015 uh, basketball team, uh, boys varsity basketball team. Uh, and it just so happened that was the year that they won the state championship. It was the year when they had Ivan Rab on the team. And uh, it, it's, it's about the team, but it, it's also like – I said it was a memoir where it's also about his experiences with with sports because he I guess he grew up not as a real big sports guy but he was trying to think of ideas for a comic and he thought that following his his school basketball team would be a good story and it, it turned out that he ends up you know learning lessons from learning more about basketball and and following this group of young men uh, on their journey to to win the state championship and I would highly recommend that one. Uh, another good nice. one from him would be Superman smashes the clan. That's got to be one of the best Superman stories I've read in a long time. You know, I, I enjoy the Bendis stuff, but Superman smashes the clan is a great piece of work. Uh, another book from Gene Yang I call attention to is the shadow hero, which was, which it, it, it takes this, really forgotten uh, golden age story and uh, a golden age superhero and cleans him up for the modern world gives a gives a modern spin on this character that was the the first uh, Asian American superhero back in you know the 1940s or whatever yeah I think from what I remember about that comic um and I don't know if this is a case where they created a fictionalized history around it, and I just took it 
as the real actual history. But I think the the character of the turtle was someone who was created by uh, an Asian American mm-hmm. creator, right? Yeah. And the thing about this story was that he wanted to make the superhero an Asian, but because, you know, comics were racist back then, they wouldn't let him. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he drew it in a way where the guy always wore his mask. And yeah. So he could tell himself that the guy was Asian underneath there, you know? And yep. I think from what I remember, the story behind it goes that it was canceled after, like, only a few issues or something like that. Yeah, it, it, just, it didn't last long. Yeah, and it just became lost to time. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a real character. It's, it's not a fictionalized backstory to promote the, to promote the okay, shadow okay. hero. It's, okay. it's an actual uh, golden age superhero called the Green Turtle. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Gene Yang just brought it back and... officially made the character an asian (laughs) yeah yeah really well done superhero comic and uh, for those who are interested in reading more stories that are that deal directly with the the asian american experience i would highly recommend almost american girl by robin ha it's a memoir about how she when she was uh, a young teenager she she moved from korea to america with her with her mother uh very unexpectedly and it's about how she you know her whole experience as a as a teenager trying to fit in in this new country and and all the things that come along with it and i read that several months ago and something that really st- stood uh st- stood out in my mind um and again, it's one of those kind of stories where my, my experience as an Asian American, totally different from hers, but reading her story, a lot of it did resonate. And it, it was something that it, it made me really, uh, you know, feel something just from seeing that story on the page. And uh, one more comic I'd recommend, another memoir is The Best We Could Do by T. Bui. She's another Bay Area comics creator. And The Best We Could Do is a memoir about how her her parents uh, were refugees from from Vietnam and how they how they uh, escaped and and moved to America. Mm. So that that was a story that it's it's pretty heavy compared to uh american born chinese or almost american girl but again a, a different perspective man and absolutely worth experiencing her art is is awesome too nice yeah i have um i have the one by robin ha and uh the best we can do mm-hmm. uh they're both on my hoopla to read list nice man uh, yeah so those are definitely coming up at some point nice man yeah i can't wait for you to experience them yeah just gotta finish reading scott snyder's batman (laughs) 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 
It's a poison pill, Drew, but somebody's got to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the hero we deserve. You're the hero we need. <laughs> or is it the, the other way I, around? I, always I, get I think confused. it's the other way around. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not the hero we need, but the hero we deserve. Got it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Wait, no. Maybe you're right. Because, well, I guess it depends on what you think of people. If people are awful, then the hero they, they deserve is just terrible. Someone who reads Scott Snyder comics. <laughs> Man. So, next week, I believe we are going to talk about some of our quarter bin comics. Is that correct, Albert? Yes, and that's that's always a fun one for me, because it's just a chance for us to go over all of our quarter bin quests that we've uh accumulated over the years and you know it's a chance for us to flex our 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 uh our deal muscles with you guys and be like check this out man i found a hundred comics for a quarter each and uh it only cost me 20 bucks or something like that. <laughs> 25 bucks? 25 bucks. <laughs> Dude, I thought Asians were good at math. See, those are stereotypes, man, and they're harmful. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, everybody. This is Between the Gutters signing off. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to give... We are half the world. A follow. Look them up on Instagram. W-A-H-W.org. Wow. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Peace out, guys. Do you have any funny, embarrassing stories you can tell about Justin since you've known him for such a long time? Oof. Jeez. Uh, any embarrassing, funny stories? Man, I... To be perfectly honest, I don't really have anything embarrassing about... Well, uh, no, now that I think about it, there's one story, but it's not really... <laughs> it's not really... You can't share it? <laughs> It's not funny. It's kind of cringy. <laughs> <laughs> like it, in the moment, it was uh, it was it was pretty painful. Uh, <laughs> do you really want me to? Will, really... will he will he be upset if I don't we think so? On... Okay, I I don't think so. But um, you know, it it happened so many years ago. But I don't. Uh, like, I, I guess I would feel more comfortable if I could ask him first, but I could just tell him. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it better to ask for permission or ask for forgiveness?
I would say it's better to ask for permission, but seeing as how I have no scruples. Um. Oh, okay. Like I, there was this one time we went to uh, Tower Records back in the day. High you school remember? or middle school? This is a high school. Uh-huh. And um. And we were at this Tower Records, and Justin was in the habit of uh. I'll just say it. He was like stealing things from the uh from the magazines. <laughs> Hey, like really? he wasn't so okay. So there would be a bunch of magazines, and the magazines would have like CDs and stuff, like you know. Oh, the sampler discs. The sampler discs. Yeah, exactly. And where they would have a uh, a bunch of songs from a bunch of different people that you could listen to. I think there was more computer related stuff. I don't remember oh, okay. if it was actually music, but like it was demo discs with different games and stuff. I I don't remember. I because I I I. I've never been like super techie, so like it wasn't. I I didn't know what he was doing. I was man, just it'd like, be oh. it'd be funny if he was just stealing all those AOL discs that were everywhere. It, it was, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't AOL discs. I'll, I'll tell you that much. But okay. I do remember it was like from some sort of uh, tech magazine. I want to say it was like, you know, something like Wired or something like that. Sure. And I remember this one time we were at Tower and. It was me, him, our friend Simon, and our other friend. I I think our our friend Danny was there too, and um, he was yeah. This this was just the thing that he was doing. We would go to Tower and he would like steal these promo discs of stuff, right? But you know he he didn't take the actual magazines. And uh, I remember this one time, this uh, there was this lady there. And uh, in retrospect, she was uh, it was obvious that she was a plant, you know, that uh, that she was working for the store. A loss prevention officer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I remember we were standing in like a particular area and the lady was just pretending to listen to music and dancing. And uh, she said (laughs) She says something to one of us, like, you know, just to make it clear that because ordinarily in your everyday life, a random person wouldn't just talk to you, right? So it was just like she was making her presence known, essentially, right? Right. But then, um, you know, Justin still goes and he decides to steal this disc. (laughs) And then the lady like calls him out on it and um the rest of us are just kind of standing there and you know justin justin tries to deny it (laughs) you know he he tries to play it off like he didn't but then eventually like you know we're, we're we're just teenagers at this point and the lady the lady was like hey i was just i was standing right here i just saw you do it and so justin gives gives the disc back and we just we all just kind of shuffle out of the store like you know head down that sort of thing yeah and uh-huh. uh i don't think we ever really talked about it but it was one of those it was it was a moment where like we left the store and everybody was just kind of quiet and you know it it's the kind of silence that's just 
deafening. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and it's just like one of those things where it's like, we're taking this to our grave. We're never going to discuss it. That sort of thing, you know? <laughs> now, now, now it's on our podcast. <laughs> and now it's on our podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thanks, this was man. years that ago. That was a funny story. <laughs> And on top of that, Tower Records is now gone. There's no Tower Records except in Japan, so... <laughs> yeah. Man. So, we got the last well, laugh on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, suck an egg, Tower Records. <laughs> <laughs>